Hello, this is Lyle Phillips, Senior Pastor at Iris Nashville, and I would like to personally thank you for downloading and listening to our podcast each week. To find out more information about Iris Nashville, you can find us online at irisnashville.com. Thanks, and God bless. And uh, hang out together. So, Allison and I, we uh, just got back late last night. We were gone, you guys, for an entire seven days in Redding, California. And, man, we were so busy. Are you from Redding? No way. That's awesome. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. Are you guys visiting? Welcome. Welcome to Legacy Nashville. We're so glad you're here. So, we traded places, I guess. So, uh, we were there for an entire week. It was insane, you guys. Like, uh, we've been out to Bethel a couple of times, and uh, we have a good friend there, Lance Jacobs. He's a part of their senior team, and uh, he's just become a dear friend. You guys may remember, he spoke here a few months ago. Do you guys remember that? I mean, he's just a wonderful guy, great heart, awesome leader, and he's raising a banner for social justice in the Bethel world that is so awesome to see because they're connected and have established a human trafficking aid coalition for Northern California. They're actually working with law enforcement on the ground in Northern California, preventing and rescuing uh, with the human trafficking efforts there. I mean, that's Super awesome, right? And uh, we hung out with several people. Uh, Bob and Kimberly Johnson, they have something called Extreme Love. You guys should check that out. Awesome organization. They're going after actually launching a children's home in Northern California, like a project, like a $6 million self-sustainable children's home in the States to rescue women and children out of human trafficking and prostitution. I mean, that's amazing, right? You hear that and your, your vision just gets upgraded. You're like, wow, what could we do in Nashville, right, to go after this? So that was awesome to meet with those guys, get to know them a little bit. We got to uh, meet and hang out with uh, Benji Nolo. I don't know if you guys have heard of him, but he produced a documentary called Nefarious, Merchant of Souls. He's out of Kansas City. And uh, if you haven't seen that, after listening to him speak, I would really recommend uh, checking that out, it, it got like 24 awards uh, at independent film festivals. It's um, just an, an international uh, highlight of the human trafficking and human trafficking aid effort. So uh, Benji Nolo is his name. He's, he's actually just this week going uh, to Capitol Hill to do some legislature on behalf of trafficked women in America, helping to uh, initiate, create new laws in our nation. I mean, spirit-filled guy. How awesome is that, right? It's incredible. Uh, So that was super cool. Um, Hung out with people who had been rescued from human trafficking. Guys, you wouldn't believe this, but I actually had several uh, women come up to me after, uh, you know, speaking a few times in the school and in different churches and like give me a big hug and say, yeah, uh, thank you so much for what you guys are doing. I was actually a victim of human trafficking. I've been free now for six months. I've been free now for a couple of years. Like here's what's, here's my story. That's incredible. We got to meet a couple people like that. That was so awesome. Um, and then we were just busy, man. We, we spoke. Let's see. I think I preached six sermons the entire time we were gone. I think that's right. And then did a panel discussion and then recorded two podcasts. It, I was so busy, you guys, and it was so much fun the whole time. Uh, we obviously bragged on you guys a ton, Legacy Nashville, because... You know, Bethel, man, they're changing the world, right? They're a movement. How many of you guys watch Bethel TV? If you don't, 
you should watch it. It's a, it's a pretty awesome, uh, just every week, new worship sets, messages that are wonderful. And uh, so Bethel's been, uh, for me, a long-time inspiration and motivation for me as a church planter, as a pastor, and as a preacher. You know, I've been preaching now for 10 years, and for as long as I've known about Bethel Church, I've always said to myself and shared with other people, if I could preach in one church, it would be my dream to preach at Bethel Church, you know? And hey, I got to do that this Friday night. So that's, like, that was a huge, that was a huge dream for me. You know, I just, that's a testimony uh, because, I mean, that's just, I felt super honored and it was so much fun. So that was good. Um, but I gotta be honest with you guys. Like, I know that that church is like, that's, that's the tops, right? That's what they say in New Zealand, I think. Somebody confirm that for me. Who's been to New Zealand, right? Okay, so I guess... <laughs> So I guess I get to make this up. If it's not a thing, we just made it a thing, all right? It's, it, it's the tops, right? It's the best. So, yeah, man. But I gotta be honest with you guys. I really do feel like our community and the people that we have as a part of this community are just the tops yeah. as well, man. Seriously, like, I mean, like, we were exposed to some amazing worship, to some amazing preaching, to some amazing leadership and all that stuff. And I, I just thought to myself, I'm like, Man, we have people in our environment who are just as gifted, just as anointed, just as talented, uh, just as powerful, just as dynamic. We're just getting our start. You know, so we got the chance to, I think, look at a prophetic picture uh, to some extent. We carry a different DNA. It's completely different. But to some extent, what we're dreaming about live and in person, and, and we saw like a ministry school, a church, we're thinking, okay, we believe that God can do something like this in our city. Because when you look at Reading, it's a smaller city. It's like, you know, our sister church, Legacy Owensboro, which my parents pastor in Kentucky. I mean, Reading is about the size of Owensboro. And that church has flipped that city upside down. Like, it's, in, it's incredible to see the transformation that's happened as a result of one house. Um, we were also with another church called The Stirring there. Um, you guys should check them out as well. I mean, they are just such an inspiration um, to Allison and I, got to hang out with their lead pastors. Um, his name is Nate Edwardson. He's an incredible preacher. Their young adult pastor, Mike Cruz, and then their worship pastor, Junior Gar, who are all gonna come here pretty soon to hang out with us. So, new friends galore. The tops. Just, just start saying that, all right? Let's start a thing, the tops. I think it's a thing. It's like British or something. You know, I hear like people who done YWAM say it. The tops. The tops. It's the tops. If it's, if, yeah. Okay. So if you've not heard it before, just start sharing it. Hashtag the tops. If anybody tweets this message, make sure you include that hashtag, okay? So yeah, we've had a blast, man. And um, I just, I feel excited. I feel excited about what God is doing here. You know, I, um, as I was prepping for this evening to share with you guys, I really felt that I wanted to share a bit of a story with you and um, a message that I feel is quite current for most of us in this room. Maybe not all of us, but uh, probably all of us, most of us in this room. And I don't have a lot of scripture to read to you guys tonight. I actually have one verse and I'm only gonna read half of it. So how's that for a message, right? And I'll get to that in just a little bit. But if you've been here for any time at all, you will see a recurring theme. Uh, you'll, you'll, heard it, you'll hear it talked about. 
Uh, you'll hear me preach about it. You'll hear in conversation. But we actually believe here at Legacy Nashville that we can change the world. Do you guys believe that? Like we truly actually believe that history is supposed to be different because we are alive. Like I genuinely believe that we're a house that's like we have the audacity to passionately dream that we are world changers. Like we're completely defiant to any other gospel. We're like, no, no, no. We have been saved by the blood of Jesus. It was a miracle what God did in my life. Therefore, I'm going to become a walking, talking miracle to my generation, and we are gonna see Nashville changed. We're gonna see America transformed. We're gonna see the nations be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you guys believe that? Like, I really do believe that we're a house that truly believes that. And it's incredible because we're here in Nashville, man, and Nashville is a city of dreamers. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever, like, just been in Starbucks. You know, you ordered that new latte macchiato they got. I just, I just got that. It's not that bad. And the barista, you know, they're just singing like a top 40 hit. And you're like, dude, like, you, you got pipes. You're the tops. Right? Like, you can really sing, like, really, really good. Anybody else had that experience? Like, your barista's like, wow, you are incredible. Like, we have a city full of baristas who could potentially have top 40 hits. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, there's so many talented people in our city. There's so many gifted people in our city. There's so many people who move here in pursuit of something big. Like, we're, we're a city of dreamers. We're a city of, it's not just about our house. It's about our city. Like, our city, Nashville, is a group, a collective group of people who have that same audacity to believe that they can make a difference, make a huge impact in this generation. I really do believe that about our city. And even the more, man, like I haven't really met very many young people, especially millennials, that do not believe that they can change the world. Even millennials that are not even saved. Like even people who don't know Jesus, they still believe that their life can make waves. They're like, no, no, I'm, I'm supposed to do something incredible. I'm supposed to do something awesome. I'm supposed to be a big person. Even people who don't know Jesus believe that about themselves. I, I recently heard about a survey that was taken not too long ago, and they interviewed people under the age of 30 in America, and they said, if you could do anything with your life, if you could become anyone that you wanted, uh, you know, what would you do? What would you become? And the number one response, which was about 80% of the responses of people under 30 in America, the number one response given was, I want to be famous. Does that shock anybody in here? Because I feel like we hear that conversation a lot in our city. And it's, you know, before it was like, oh, I even read some articles, some like psychology articles on this. But, you know, before, like a generation ago, if you were to interview a 10-year-old, say, what do you want to be when you grow up? 10-year-old would say, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a vet, I want to be a firefighter. Go ask a 10-year-old today what they want to be. Yeah, I want to be Justin Bieber, man. I want to be a movie star. I want to be, and because our generation, we're like the first generation that's not like, oh, I'll get, I'll get rich and therefore I'll be famous. Like we're the first generation that's like, no, no, the epitome of what I want out of my life is fame and thereby I'll earn an income. 
So I was doing this research. I'm like, wow, this is very interesting because like while it may manifest at times and get really ugly and be really sad for some, like I think there's actually a redemptive gift attached to it. I think there's something on our generation that we truly believe that we can change the world. Like we truly believe that we're supposed to be famous. And I, and I wanna say to you guys, I think that we are. I think that we're supposed to be famous in heaven. I think all of heaven is supposed to know our name. I think that all of hell is supposed to become aware of our reputation. Like, I really do believe there's something on our generation that's like, no, no, you're called to be influential. You're called to be big. You're called to be powerful. You're called to be mighty. You're called to make waves. And like, we know it. Like, we acknowledge it. Like, we see it. We know it. You know, there's a guy in the Old Testament that God called, and he said, I'm gonna make you famous, essentially. He said, I'm gonna make your name great. That was the father of our faith. His name was Abraham. You guys know the story of Abraham, I know. But, you know, Abraham, he's a really interesting character in the Old Testament. I mean, that's where God initiated a covenant with his people was through our father, Abraham. And Abraham has such a fascinating story. You know, when you, when you read it for what it is, you have Abraham, this man who's comfortable in his lifestyle. Like he's come to a place in his career, he's probably got a good, cushy 501c3 or, or, or 401k, rather, 501c3. He may have had one of those too. <laughs> he had an IRA. You know, he had, he had retirement planning down. And he was intelligent. He had money. He had, he had a lot of goats and camels, which is the equivalent today to Ferraris and Lamborghinis. Like, you know, he had a, he had a mansion. Lots of tents draped in purple or something. And then, and then, you know, he encounters this mystical God. Like, he hears the voice of God. He hears the voice of Yahweh. And Yahweh himself, the creator of all, the God of eternity, speaks to this man named Abram. And he calls him out. He says, hey, I want you to come out from where you are. I want you to leave your hometown. I want you to leave your home city. I want you to leave your family. I want, I want you to leave your mom and your dad. And then I just want you to walk in this direction over yonder. Okay, cool, God, I got a GPS. Just give me the coordinates. No, 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 there's gonna be no coordinates. I just want you to walk in this direction. And while you're on your way, you'll find your way to your destination. That's pretty spooky, right? That's pretty risky to just be like, okay, let me leave all of my safety, all of my security, let me leave my family, let me leave everything that I've ever known and just pursue this mystical voice that has called me to do so. That's, that's pretty risky, it's pretty crazy, right? Sounds like our generation, a group of people who are just like crazy enough to believe that they can leave all safety and security and follow after a dream that is so big, yet so mysterious, yet so unknown, and still make something of themselves. So you got Abraham, man, he's journeying. He's traveling, journeying through life. And he, he finds his, his, his way in this one part of his story where he's just simply heartbroken. He's following God. He's doing everything he can to please God. He's, he's, he's got big dreams, you know. He's, he's, he's laid it all down. He's heard from Yahweh. And yet he finds himself in his tent. And he's sad. He's crushed, actually. He's discouraged. He's disappointed because he's a dreamer. 
Like he's heard from God. He knows that his life is supposed to be big and powerful and make waves. And yet here he is in his tent discouraged and disappointed because the one thing that he's heard God speak to him about has not happened yet. He's just there like, God, please. Crying out to God, literal tears, weeping, mourning, concerning a dream that he believes is out there but has yet to manifest. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? I don't know about you guys, but I have spent a lot of time in prayer, like over my bedside, thinking, God, but you prophesied this, but you said this, but I read this in the word, but like somebody came up to me one time and prayed over me and they said, my life is supposed to be like this. And that was an awesome word, but that's not what my life looks like. Like the one thing that I'm dreaming about, the one thing that I know you've spoken to me about, the one thing that I know I'm called to become, like what in the world, God? Like you're supposed to be a good dad. Like you're supposed to be the source of all blessing. And here I am in my tent, bent over, crying tears because I can't have a kid. And that's what was going on with Abraham. He said, I can't have a son. I'm rich, God. Like you've increased me. Like my bank account, it's full. Like, I've got Lambos in the driveway, right? And he's like, but I don't have anybody to give it to. I have, I have nobody to give this to, God. I don't have a son. I'm getting old. It doesn't seem probable anymore. I don't think that we're gonna be able to have a kid in our age. That's what he starts to say to God. He starts to feel very discouraged. And he starts to consider the fact that If he dies without a kid, he's gonna have to leave his entire inheritance to a servant, to one of his slaves, to somebody who works for him, basically, a housekeeper, perhaps. And this is disappointing because in his culture, in this day, in this age, it would be extremely shameful to not have a son. Not just have a kid, but to not have a son. So what... Abraham was dealing with, wrestling with, was the fact that he was following God and yet he was met with the possibility of not just having no kids, but having no legacy. He's caught in this cultural crosshairs. He's like, God, but you said, but man, I'm hurting right now because everything in my world, everything in my city, everything in my culture, my life is supposed to look like this. This is what they're saying. I'm supposed to have a kid. I'm supposed to have a son, and yet I don't have one. I'm holding on to a word from God here, and I'm in despair, and I'm in prayer, and I'm feeling the cultural pressure to to live up to the expectations of the rest of my peer group, and yet I'm torn. This is happening for everybody else, God, but it's not happening for me, and you said I was your man. You called, remember that when you called me out of my city? Remember that when you called me out of my darkness? Remember that when you asked me to take a big risk on you and I did it and yet here you are, you have me in the wilderness in a tent crying out to you for something you're unwilling to talk to me about? What's going on, God? Then you got his wife, Sarai, at the time. Eventually becomes Sarah, obviously. But you know, she's getting old. Like, she's well beyond the age of, like, childbirth. She's, like, 90. (laughs) I mean, that's pretty old. No way you're having kids at 90, right? And that's what she's thinking. She's like, there's no way. There's no way. It's not going to happen. Abraham, I am sick of you following this mysterious voice that continues to promise blessing, and he's given you all this stuff, but I don't want stuff. 
I'm tired of stuff. Stuff's getting on my nerves, actually. That doesn't replace what I really want. That doesn't replace the biggest dream in my heart. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars. That's the half of a verse that I have for you guys tonight. Can you imagine what that would have been like? That experience? You know, he's crying out in the tent and God all of a sudden says, hey, I want you to come out of this place. I want you to come out of this place of distress. I want you to come out of this place of discouragement. I'm actually calling you out into an expanse. And what I want you to do, what I wanna invite you to do, Abram, is I want to invite you to count those stars. How many is there? Number them if you can. Are you capable, Abram? You see, he was focused on having one kid. And God said, come out and count billions of stars. Because your dream, Abram, is a little bit too small by comparison to what my dream is for your life. You are so focused on this one thing. You are hurting over this one thing. You have tunnel vision concerning this one thing, so much so that it's brought you to a place of depression despite all of my blessing in your life. Come out of that tent. This thing's tearing you up, man. This thing's like, man, it's got you by the neck. Come out here. Come out of that encapsulated place. Come out of that isolation. Come into an expanse. Come into a place where the impossible becomes possible. Come on, count how many ways that I'm gonna bless you. Try, count. Oh, you can't? Yep, that's my nature. You're worried about one thing, I'm trying to show you a billion dreams. You're, you're trying to achieve one dream, I'm trying to show you billions of dreams that I have for you. And yet he was so limited, so limited in his thinking. God essentially invited Abram to dream again. He invited Abram into a new dimension, a new realm, the God realm of where dreams come from. He said, this is what it looks like to dream with me. Don't just hang out in the tent concerned over one dream that you think that I may or may not answer. I wanna invite you into a new place. I wanna invite you into a realm of impossible possibilities. I wanna invite you into a realm where anything can happen. Throw back that tent and have a look. I feel like for some of us in here, that's exactly where we are tonight. It's like we're in this process of like leaving the tent. And God's saying, hey, hey, let me show you where dreams come from. You know, the crazy thing about dreams is that they have to come from somewhere, right? We all get our dreams from somewhere. If we were to go around the room tonight and say, hey, stand up one by one, tell me what you're dreaming about. You, you, could, you could tell me the one thing that you're dreaming about, just like Abram, just like Sarai. You could tell me the one thing that you're dreaming about, you know, that one thing that, that comes to the surface. 
And what I might respond with is, why not look at that dream and then instead of just telling me what it is, tell me where it came from. Did it come from the tent of disillusionment? Or did it come from the sky of the billions upon billions upon billions of God dreams for your life? You see, I've noticed a trend, especially amongst our age group, and I say our age group is a whole generation. I think, I mean, I mean everybody, right? Is that we are truly looking at the stars for our dreams, except we're looking at the wrong stars. We're watching movies. You know what I mean? We're looking at celebrity culture. And that's one, one place that I think that our generation struggles as a source for our dreams. We look at celebrity culture and we say, you know, that is exactly what my life should be like. That is exactly what changing the world looks like. That's exactly what being significant looks like. It, this is insane to me because I feel like that much of our generation would rather be famous than just be themselves. You know what I'm saying? Truth be told, the desire to be famous is really just the desire to be known. And I, I really do think that a lot of young people really struggle with that, but the redemptive gift, see, in the midst of everything that the enemy tries to counterfeit is actually an original God design that's placed there on purpose. And what that desire is on the inside is a desire to be known. Yeah. It's a desire to be truly known for who you are, not for who you're not. Yep. And that's why we say things like that. Oh, well, you know, I, I, I wanna be famous because it's, it's really a deep-seated desire to be known. And, and what I see as the problem with this as I look online or on websites or, you know, whatever, social media, is that some people are so passionate, so bent on becoming famous that they're willing to present a false self to the world. You guys with me on this? They will pretend to be anybody they need to be for likes. Are you guys with me on this? Even if it means presenting a false self to the world, if the end result is becoming well-known, they'll do it. You see what I'm saying? And I think that's a big problem because I think that that's what the Bible calls gaining the whole world and losing your own soul. Because if you have to be somebody you're not to become influential, you may become influential, but you'll never truly be known. You guys with me on that? There's nothing wrong with being known. There's nothing wrong with being famous. But you need to do it in a way that you stay true to yourself. Because you can be very well known and, you know, have like a lot of stuff, but your soul be completely withered and depleted. And I actually think that our house is going to be a house where we have handfuls of people who are well known. But not just in the natural, but also in the spirit. I really do believe that. Like, we'll have people with big souls, not just big followings. You guys with me? So, here's the second place that I think that we can get our dreams from today. And that is 
Social media, and I know that's not unlike the first one. The first one is celebrity culture. The second one is social media culture. And I, I know that that's, that's kind of the same thing in a sense. But what I've noticed is, is that a lot of people, you know, when, when asked, hey, what do you wanna be? What do you wanna do? They're like, man, I wanna be rich. I wanna be young. And I wanna be on top of the world, man. <laughs> right? Okay, so <laughs> there's no, that, that, that's what the Bible calls a, a, a rich, young ruler. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And the very one thing that he was attached to most, most was the thing that God called him to give up. Yeah. And so with social media, I, I wanna be vulnerable with you guys and tell you like I've struggled with that yeah. personally. Like I've like, oh, there's no K behind my follower count. Therefore, I'm not like, I'm not very valuable, man. And, and like, that's a real struggle. How many of you guys would admit and say I've struggled with that before? Okay, four of you guys. So. <laughs> How many of you guys are not being honest in here? Um, <laughs> like today, yeah, ever? Um, no, it's, it's, it's a real struggle, man. And, and I think that that, it, that that happens because of even what is declared as being sort of a, uh, um, a God thing today. You know, I, I've said this before, but, you know, I watched as my parents' generation really struggled with this idea of the prosperity gospel. Like, like, it basically stated that as rich as you were was as anointed as you were. They said, oh, if you're wealthy, then you must be godly. And our generation, we don't struggle with that as much. We don't struggle with the prosperity gospel as much. We struggle with the popularity gospel. And that basically says that as well known as you are is as anointed as you are. Or as influential as you are, is how close to God you are. You know, it's like, oh man, if it's not a celebrity pastor, I cannot listen to their podcast. You, you know what I'm saying? Okay, maybe this is just my world, man, but we're not to be shaped by what people share. We're to be shaped by God in prayer. I'm afraid that far too often we, we spend time, you know, like hunched over, looking at the phone. What we behold, we become. And I think we should check ourselves as a generation. Do we spend more time being shaped by social media than we do being shaped by God in prayer? Because what we behold, we will become. And so we have to be careful at what or who we're allowing to shape us because we don't know the motivation of the person who posted that and they very well could be operating under their false self, just posting anything that they can for attention. And then here we are being transformed by it and saying, I gotta be like that. That's where my dreams gotta come from. I mean, for some people, the tent, man, is the iPhone. I feel like I'm preaching the truth. What do you guys think? I don't know. Let me, let me say this to you guys about social media. The number of followers you have does not determine your success in life. Can, can we just tell each other that? Like say, hey, the number of followers you have does not determine your success in life. None of y'all are doing this. Okay. Can we... <laughs> 
It, the number of followers you have does not determine your success in life. Okay, here, let me, let me look at it in the, in the lifestyle of Jesus, right? So Jesus never allowed his follower count to dictate his success. In fact, he moved in the opposite spirit so strongly that he sent people away from him so that we would know that the gospel does not go forth as a result of his fame. We should remember that when Jesus was crucified, he was not famous. Today, we remember a lot about him. And yeah, he was kind of well-known in some circles. But to the Roman occupation, Jesus was just another Jew being crucified on a Friday. He was just another act of treason. Jesus was so confident in who he was that his follower count did not dictate his value. Jesus was so confident in who he was Jesus was so confident in what he carried, he knew that what God had placed upon his life, he was capable of transforming the world with only 12 followers. Think about it like that. That's how confident Jesus was in what was on his life. That's how confident Jesus was in what he carried. He was like, ah, it doesn't matter how many people follow me, this thing's going out, man, because this is from the Lord. This is the dream of God that he's placed upon my life. Amen? Amen? So here's the third one. Comparison. And I think this one underlies it all. It doesn't matter if you don't even have Instagram. It doesn't matter if you don't watch TMZ. You, we can all still struggle with this one. Comparison. And I, and I really think this is what underlines it all. Underlines all of it. Do we get our dreams from comparison? Or are we getting our dreams from the expanse, right, yeah. that God opens up to us. With, with, with fame and wealth being the predominant script of our time, I think that the greatest temptation is to formulate our dreams, take on our dreams as a result of comparing them to the dreams of other people. We start looking around our friend group and we start to ask, hey, what are you dreaming about? What are you dreaming about? What are you dreaming about? And then pretty soon our highest aspirations, our biggest goals are no bigger than the people we hang around. You see what I'm saying? It's like, well, as long as I'm spiritual, as spiritual as my friends, then I'm, val- I'm, I'm validated. Yeah. You guys with me on this? Yep. As long as I'm as sold out as, you know, the people I sit by, I'm good. Right. You know what I mean? Because I'm cool. I'm good. Like, nobody's going to challenge me. They know I'm, like, they know I'm passionate. They know I'm a dreamer. You know what I'm saying? And Jesus is saying, no, no, come out of the tent. Don't compare yourself just to your peer group. They're great people. But this is what you're looking at as your standard. Yeah. Count them if you can. Yeah. I mean, I've struggled a lot with comparison, just to be honest with you guys, like a whole lot. The terrible thing about comparison is that you compare your worst to somebody else's best. And for me, it's not even just comparison, dude. It's competition. Like, it's like me being good at the expense of someone else being bad. I'm like, see, I did it. Deal with it. I'm better. Ha. Like, I truly, I truly have struggled with that so much in my life, you guys. And I remember one time I was in prayer just saying, God, like, why am I so competitive? Like, I grew up playing competitive sports, and I'm the oldest of four boys, and, you know, I love to beat up my little brothers. And, you know, it's like, and I remember God telling me one time, he was like, man, if you want to compare yourself to somebody, compare yourself to me. Like, <laughs> You're always trying to dominate. Good luck here. 
You know what I mean? It was like, just try to be like me. Like if you want to healthily compare yourself to someone, try to be like me. Like that's actually an invitation. Comparison, I think, underlines it all. Unfortunately, I know people that have spent years, and I think a lot of people are not honest about it, but I know people who have spent years living under the weight of comparison. And what happens as a result is they stop dreaming for themselves. The only people they dream for is others. They dream in order to impress other people, and that's it. And a lot of times they dream in order to impress only one person. The fear of man is not typically the fear of a crowd. The fear of man is typically the fear of one person. Like when you're scared to dream big, like when you're scared to do something, who is the person that comes to mind? Because it's not typically some crowd that's anonymous. It's like, what will that one person think of me if I do that? What will that one person say about me if I try that? What will that one person you know, have to say, they'll criticize me publicly if I do this. Does that hit home for anybody? (laughs) Maybe just me? But, you know, even in the church, when we look at God's blessings in the lives of others, and we use that as our sole gauge for dreaming, we actually insult the creativity of God. When we only look at the breakthrough in in the lives of others, and we say, well, I just want that. I just want that. I just need that. I just need that. That's actually, we're actually insulting the, the creativity of God because he wants to do something creative, unique, one of a kind through you. It's okay to be inspired. It's okay to receive impartation through what he does in the lives of other people. But ultimately, they are not our sole gauge of what God wants to do in our lives. When we only use the breakthrough of other people as our sole gauge for our dreaming, We insult the creativity of God. Like he wants you to know how beautiful you are. He wants to shine through you. You are your own unique, beautiful expression of God's creation. And he wants to maximize that and breathe life through you and shine through you. You're one of those stars. Unique to yourself. So we can't just look at other people and say, oh man, if I could just have that, if I could just do that, that's comparison. And that's something that we also have to break off. The last place that I'll highlight tonight of where we can receive our dreams is really what I feel that Abraham came to in the process of coming out of his tent. Because I know some of you guys in here tonight, you're hearing this story and you're like, hey, I'm coming out of my tent, man. Like, make a decision tonight. Like, I'm not gonna wallow in this anymore, in this isolation, in this bitterness, in this frustration, in this place of just, Man, like, I just want this one thing. Like, God's holding before you tonight impossible possibility. And the one place that's 100% safe to dream 100% of the time is intimacy with God. Here's the truth, guys. You don't even know what your dream is aside from intimacy with God. Like, we think we know what our dreams are. We think we know what greatness looks like. We think we know what uh, our definition of success is, but we don't even know that aside from intimacy with God. We are created beings if we are truly gonna understand what God's dreaming about within us. We have to talk to him about it. 
We don't get it from celebrity culture. We don't get it from social media. We don't get it from comparison. We don't get it from hanging out in the tent. We get it from stepping out in intimacy with God and receiving his invitation to dream impossible dreams. That's the invitation. Intimacy, the only place that is 100% safe to dream. I love this quote by Lou Engel. He said, you don't have a dream. You are a dream of God with flesh wrapped around it. Like God's dreaming through you. He's dreaming in you. You are a dream of his. And unless we come to a place of real communion, real fellowship with the Holy Spirit about our dreams, we might pursue good dreams, but but we probably won't pursue God dreams. We could actually spend our lives, spend our time. Come on, how many of you guys know that how you spend your time, that's how you spend your life? How you spend your life, that's how you spend your destiny, man. Like your purpose. And I don't wanna spend even a single day pursuing a dream that's just good. I wanna pursue God dreams. I wanna know what God's dreaming through me and what he wants to do in my life and in this city and in this generation and in this nation and in this globe. Like, God, what is that dream that you have? I don't even know what that is. It's unlocked as I step outside of the tent and into intimacy with God. That's where we know what we're dreaming about. Without intimacy with God, guys, we won't even know which script we're reading from. We will be reading from the script of culture and calling it Christian. Like we'll truly think that we're doing God's work, but we won't actually be at all. Like to believe that you're carrying out God's work in your life aside from intimacy with God is, you know, often an illusion. Because you, you truly don't know what script you're reading from because oftentimes when you don't spend time with God, you can't recognize his script. And so you'll accept another script that's handed to you. Somebody forces you out onto the stage of life and commands that you read your line and you're like, well, I guess this is good enough. This is probably God. It seems like a good thing. It seems positive. It seems spiritual. In fact, it seems religious and noble and other people will probably say, if I read this, hey, good job. Well, I guess that's good enough for me. But it's not until we come out of the tent, it's not until we're dreaming with God in intimacy do we truly receive the real scroll for our lives. Do we truly know what we're called to read, what we're called to do? That's the only safe place to dream. Without intimacy with God, we'll get on the wrong track. In intimacy with God, we stay on the right track as well as on the right pace. We don't rush things, we're patient when we're in intimacy with God. When we're not, we just try to manufacture everything on our own. But in intimacy, we receive a virtue, patience. And we're able to come to rest with who God is and what he's doing in our lives. And we have that trust. We develop that trust. I'm almost finished. So if somebody, if Brian, Brian, you're here, huh? If you want to, lost you in the crowd, bro. It's, it's, it's. We're, we're slam-packed, bro. Uh, forgive me. I was, I was seeing it through the lens of the Spirit. In intimacy, we become patient with God's timing rather than trying to make things happen for ourselves. It's in intimacy with God that we become patient. We may not know where we're going, just like Abram did not know where he, where he was going, but we know we'll get there. And that's one of the things I would love to end with, guys. 
is that when we started on this journey, Abram started on his journey, he didn't know where he was gonna end up, but he knew God was gonna be there. He had no idea where he would be led, but he knew that God was gonna be with him. As a culture, man, like looking at scripts, looking at celebrity culture, looking at social media, looking at comparison, you know, looking at friends and family, even people who are supposed to be safe sounding boards, even sometimes we look at them and we receive our dreams from them. When God's saying, no, 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 come out here. Receive your dreams from me. Receive your dreams with me and intimacy with me. Come out, look at the stars. Abraham had no clue what the destination was, but it didn't matter because God was on the journey with him. As a culture, man, we get super obsessed with outcomes. Even if you go to seminars and like personal growth things, they're like, hey, look at the bullseye, look at the end goal, look at who you wanna be when you die and then work your way backwards from that point. If you do that, you may end up at a great place, but you may not end up where God was leading. For us to truly live a a life of journeying with the Lord, we have to detox a little bit from outcomes. This has to happen. That has to happen. This has to be the case. This has to be the exact dream that I fulfill, that I achieve, because then I will be successful and I will know and feel good about myself. And then God's like, no, 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 no. I'm just trying to take a walk with you. I'm trying to call you out of your comfort. I'm trying to call you out of the familiar. I'm trying to call you out of your mourning. I'm trying to call you out of your discouragement. I'm trying to invite you into a place of impossible possibility. I'm trying to invite you, hey, get out of your eyes isolation. Step out of that tent. Throw the flap back. Look up. Look up. Count them if you can. Count them if you can. Because as big as you think it is, you're just seeing one galaxy. I'm the God of the universe. You're just seeing one belt of stars. On the other side of the planet, different viewpoint. And that's what God's inviting us into. It's, a, it's, a, it's not just like a new perspective on our dreams, but like it's a completely new realm. It's a completely new reality about our dreams. But it requires that we get them from somewhere. And that is from Him and intimacy first and foremost. There's nothing wrong, guys, with being inspired by what we see on television. We can be motivated by what we see on social media. We can become creatively provoked about what we see on Instagram. But at the end of the day, that's not the script where our dreams come from. Our dreams come from God. That's where it starts. That's where it ends. That's how we know that we're walking with Him in safety and security, with patience and compassion. You know, the thing about not, maybe it's the last point, it's an extra point, it's for free, is that when we don't, walk in intimacy with God, we're seldom compassionate. You notice that? Like we may be really passionate about our dreams, but we'll step on as many people necessary in order to get there. Like even friends and family become acceptable casualties on the roadside in the journey to success. 
Well, who cares about that? Doesn't matter about my family. Doesn't matter about my wife. Doesn't matter about my husband. Doesn't matter about my kids. Doesn't matter about that. My coworkers, my boss, they can just deal with it because I'm trying to get mine. But it's an intimacy that we come to a place of compassion and we look through a lens that says just because somebody else is successful, just because somebody else is dreaming big doesn't mean I can't dream and I can't become successful because the last time I checked, there's a lot more stars than there is people. Impossible possibility, infinite possibility. So let's as we're standing up, just kind of treat it as if we're coming out of the tent, so to speak, all right? So just come out of the tent and step into a a new place of dreaming. The dream that God has for us is so much bigger, it's so much greater, it's so much better than, than any dream that's been dictated to us or that we may be you know, formulating on our own. Can we just ask for a minute, like what God's dreams are for our lives and just look up? Let's just look up for a minute. Let's sort of detox from the one thing that we want, want most right now. The one thing that we're obsessing over that, you know, God's not even put that yoke upon us. He's not even laid that burden on you. He said that he loves us and that his commandments, the commandments that he gives us are not burdensome. So just throw off that yoke as you step out of your tent. And let's just take a moment. God, would you speak to us right now about what you're dreaming about for our lives? We know that you're far more interested in our character than you are our comfort. And you're more about the journey than you are about the outcome. Can you speak to us right now, God, about one thing? Just give us a revelation about one star, one possibility, one thing that you're dreaming about within us. So would you just ask the Lord what that is right now? It's gonna take a few moments to receive a word from God. God is the lifter of our head. That's one of his names in the Bible. Perhaps you don't even feel the confidence to look up. Maybe you don't even feel the self-worth to look up, thinking, man, I'm just good enough for that one dream in the tent. And if that's you, just let the Lord take you by the hand because in your weakness, his strength is made perfect. He is the lifter of our head and where you don't feel courage to dream he just imparts that right now and lifts up your head impossible possibilities there before you countless possibilities countless dreams God, help us as we work, as we pursue what you've called us to do, as we pursue our dreams, as we pursue our goals, as we um, 
work at our jobs, our careers, God, our, our, in school, with, um, as we create, God, as we're entrepreneurs and business people and artists and musicians and just creatives alike. God, would you always keep impossible possibilities before us? We trust you, God. We know that you called us out like you did our father Abraham. And now you've set us in a place of dependency and possibility. So we just say tonight, God, we choose to dream the dreams of God. Would you guys just repeat after me and just say, we choose to dream the dreams of God. I know, I know most of you guys in here and your lives are pretty awesome. But just choose to dream the dreams of God because I believe there's even more. A ruling and a reigning and an authority and a trust in your life. There's even more. That's, that's what I feel like as we're ending tonight, you guys, I feel like God just wants to say that none of this message was intended to be a criticism. It's intended to be a hope-filled possibility of dreaming bigger and dreaming beyond everything that you've hoped for up to this point, everything that you've imagined that's possible for your life, just know, look up. Everything that you thought that you might be able to achieve in this life, just look up because God's inviting you into more. So with that being said, guys, I just wanna invite the ministry team to come up. It's gonna be some people up with badges. They're, they're prepared to pray for you and to minister to you. It doesn't matter your need. Every need under the sun is acceptable up here. So if you'd like to receive um, prayer for healing in your body or perhaps emotionally or you want somebody to agree with you about a prayer request, the altars are gonna be open for you. Come up, find somebody to pray with. They'll pray with you. So as we're dismissed, we just wanna read the benediction prayer over you guys and bless you guys with this priestly blessing here and then send you out to go watch the Panthers win the Super Bowl. <laughs> if the Broncos win, please don't like tweet me and call me a false prophet. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just playing for the record. Let it be known. So if you could, please just put your hand over your heart. Just receive this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. God bless you guys big time. Go in peace tonight. Enjoy your night. Be safe. Hug somebody. Love on them. We'll see you here next week. Thanks for subscribing to the Iris Nashville podcast. We'd love to hear back from you. If you don't mind, log into the iTunes store and leave us a rating and a review. The more ratings and reviews we get, the more accessible our podcast is to new listeners. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. And God bless.